Welcome back to the Making the Madness College Basketball Podcast. This is Jonathan here alongside Sean. Uh, we're back at it. Another podcast. We've got a couple commitments, and we're doing what you, you've been uh, vouching for it. Uh, we've been talking about potentially doing it for a little while. Now we're going to finally do it. Our big winners and losers of the offseason thus far. Uh, I guess the offseason still going on. Uh, a couple more commitments, but... We're going to get to that in this show. Yeah, definitely a fun show planned last week. We had our first live show. We're not doing that for this one. Just, you know, figured we'd do normal podcast style early in the afternoon on this Wednesday. Just get this out, do some winners and losers of the offseason, discuss a few transfer commitments and a few guys who were making their decisions soon. But last week we did the big, you know, draft show special. A lot of guys who made their final decisions like, uh, E.J. Liddell, Hunter Dickinson, Max A. Smith, Kevin O'Banner, all those guys making their final decisions on what they're going to do. Some decide to transfer like Kevin O'Banner. He hasn't announced his final destination. We'll get into him in a little bit. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of guys uh, we discuss in this episode when we discuss a lot of different teams. Absolutely. And, yeah, we I think we each have a list of uh, 10 winners, uh, three and then, how many did we decide on losers? I, I forget. That uh, I think we went with eight. Eight? Okay. But we have we have three mid-majors on each of those. So the mid-majors, you're, you're, you're not immune to this. You're, if you're, you know, some program and you lost, you're going to get pointed out. We're, we're coming after oh, yeah. you. So, yeah, I mean, don't lose your best players. That's what I say. Yeah. That is, that is definitely important, so uh, we'll, we'll dive into it, but uh, before we get into that, I think we should probably start, uh, we can go first with the outgoing speculation, or we can just go with the two commitments that happened this past week. Let's go with the commitments, let's kick it off with Dawson Garcia committing to North Carolina, big time get for Hubert Davis, YouTube video on it on Making the Madness YouTube channel. But Garcia is a 6'11 lefty uh, big man who can play the four and the five. He's going to start at the four alongside Armando Baycott. And there's going to be a lot of shooting on this North Carolina team, something they desperately needed last year. Kerwin Walton was the only reliable shooter on the roster, shooting over 40% from deep. But now they have Dawson Garcia starting at the four. And, oh, by the way, they have Brady Manick who is close to a 40% career shooter in four years at Oklahoma, average over 10 points all four of his years in Norman. He is going to be coming off the bench for this North Carolina team. There's a lot of depth on this team, and I think they are poised for a deep run in the NCAA tournament next season. Absolutely. I I completely agree. This this North Carolina front court, kind of going into the offseason, they lost you know three players, uh, certainly with Walker Kessler and... Uh, Dayron Sharp, there there goes kind of the NBA upside. Garrison Brooks, I think we've been you know discussing for a little while. That's long overdue. He's not gonna be too terribly missed. But uh, that's, getting that's not a bad loss because like Garrison Brooks, like he had one really good year two years ago. But again, you have to consider, and I think Garrison Brooks is a fine player. I don't think he's a great player because he's not a great player. He's not a very good defender. He's an okay scorer. He's not very versatile offensive-wise, though. And the reason he was so good two years ago, and he was a lot better two years ago, just 
efficiency-wise than last year. But they needed somebody to score on that team, so. Yeah, but they get Baycott back, who uh, was undeniably probably their best big man last season. And then they add in, you know, what the modern college basketball is asking for. Stretch fours. Uh, because Baycott, he's a perfect five man. Uh, he can uh, rebound. He can score inside. He's efficient. That's perfect. That takes care of the five position. But now you get the four position taken care of with uh, – you still get big men, but they're big men who can shoot in Dawson Garcia and Brady Mack. That's absolutely perfect. Uh, you add that alongside Kerwin Walton, who uh, is a bucket. Uh, Caleb Love, who I think is going to have a big breakout year. You still have Anthony Harris. You have, still have Leaky Black. You still have R.J. Davis. Uh, you, you could see, like, Dontrez Styles, you know, be good as a freshman. Puff Johnson. DeMarco Dunn, Puff Johnson. Uh, may, maybe they get Seth Trimble to reclassify. Uh, probably not, but he could, theoretically. Uh, Andrew Playtech still on the roster. So I actually don't give him a minute. That, that's a miracle. It would be best, I think, if he uh, plays zero minutes of important time and plays with the walk-ons. I think that we need to just create a new college basketball team, or or they could just all transfer to Chicago State, but we should go like, we should make a team of Mitch Lightfoot, Andrew Playtech, let's go Eric Brad Stevenson. Brad Calipari. Okay, Brad Calipari, Eric Stevenson, and uh, Jalen Coleman-Lance. How many, how many games does that team win? So, like, a starting five of Brad Calipari, Jalen Coleman-Lance, Eric Stevenson, Andrew Playtech, and Mitch Lightfoot. See, that's a very small lineup because you, you have four guards. But, like, how many games does that team win, do you think? Uh, if they're playing Chicago State every night, uh, they'll win every game. Well, they are Chicago State in this scenario. Oh, they are, they are Chicago State. Um, you know, I I wouldn't count them out winning like a. They're in what league now? The WAC. The WAC. See, they're not winning the WAC next year. No. But Can they win like eight games though? Like, I'm not sure. I think so. You think so? I don't know. I think they could. It'll be- It'll they be could tough go because near you're 500 in the whack. Okay, maybe. I don't know. I mean, you have Eric Stevenson who just isn't a consistent shooter, but he could drop 25 one night on, like, making seven threes. Andrew Playtech, he's up and down. Mitch Lightfoot, I'm not sure he's ever been good at anything in terms of basketball. Like, he just plays, like, eight minutes a game, and now he's entering his sixth season of college basketball. Coleman Lanes is actually a good shooter, so you have him. He was actually a good shooter last year. Before that, he was always kind of inconsistent. Yeah, Brad Calipari, he's okay. But, you know, that would be an interesting team to look at. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's see, in the WAC, I mean, you have Evelyn Christian's good. Uh, Grand Canyon's Steven good. Stephen F. Austin. Stephen F. Austin, New Mexico State. I mean, I, I would say... Same Houston State. Same Houston. Uh, that, that's a good league. I think they finish around the middle. Yeah, probably. I like that hypothetical, though. It's fun. Yeah. Hypothetical. Um, NCAA, just give all these players an extra year so they can go uh, play at Chicago State. 
<laughs> but they, I mean, they have to they have to play at Chicago State. There's no other it, choice. Yeah, it's a waiver that you only get the extra another year if you play at Chicago State. Yes. That that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Uh, but time back to North Carolina. I think I I don't know if they're a top ten team. I think they're definitely a top twenty team though at this point. Uh, just with Garcia, uh, you could put them in the top ten. I think there's like a clear top seven, uh, top eight in the sport, and then like it kind of drops off. So you could maybe put them like in the back end of your top ten. It just kind of depends what you're looking at. Uh, but certainly, I think North Carolina they're gonna be very good. Uh, Duke is cursed uh, when it comes to winning the ACC regular season title. So. I mean, North Carolina, they're right there with Florida State. They're probably going to win the ACC regular season title. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a three-team mix in the ACC between Duke, Florida State, and North Carolina. Any of those three could win, and I wouldn't be surprised. Roster-wise, I probably like North Carolina the most, to be honest with you. Yeah, I I tend to agree. I think Duke is good if they hit their ceiling. Like, if Mark Williams takes a big breakout season, Paulo Banchero plays, like, the number one pick that he could potentially be. I mean, I think Duke has a chance, but they're they're also going to lose dumb regular season games to not win the ACC regular season title. So I'll pick North Carolina to win the regular season title, then Duke to win the ACC tournament title. That's my official prediction. That's fair. I'll probably go... I'll probably go Florida State to win the regular season, and I'll probably follow that up with Florida State winning the uh, ACC tournament too. There we go. Uh, yeah, that would that would be interesting. Certainly, Duke's not going to win the ACC regular season title. It's I, I, I trust Leonard Hamilton, so that that's where that uh, comes from. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But North Carolina, they're going to be good. Uh, will be interesting to see. Next up, um, we have Cedric Russell deciding to head to Ohio State. He's filling the Dwayne Washington Jr. role, uh, which much needed because Ohio State really needed kind of someone that can go out and get a bucket. And now, now Cedric Russell has it. He can, you know, go on to a team that's, you know, decent hanging next season. Uh, they, they have been uh, bring in Malachi Branham. They have Michi Johnson. They have uh, Jamari Wheeler at the you know lead guard spots. But getting Cedric Russell, he can play uh, some two. You've got Justin Orange. You've got Justice Suing. Uh, you've got EJ Liddell. This is a solid uh, Ohio State team. Yeah, it's a solid team. Dwayne Washington Jr. leaving certainly hurts. But Cedric Russell is really good for Louisiana last season. Shot 40% from deep. Averaged 17 points per game in his first senior season, using the extra year of eligibility to transfer to Ohio State. I think they'll be solid. I have them still ranked outside my top 25. But I think EJ Liddell could be a Big Ten Player of the Year candidate. And Cedric Russell was just someone they desperately needed. They needed a guard. It didn't matter who, but they needed a guard who can go get a bucket, and they get that with Cedric Russell. Absolutely. And uh, I think the Buckeyes... I think they're worse than uh, North Carolina, certainly, but I 
I would say they're probably definitely a top 20 team in the sport and maybe back in top 15. Oh, man. We see them very differently. Where do you see them? Outside of my top 25. Like 28. Oh, well, you, you have them number one on the fraud power rankings list. I mean, it was Maryland, but, like, Aaron Wiggins is gone. So, like, are they still going to be widely regarded as, like, a top 15 team? Probably not. So, like, if most people have them unranked, I'm with you. Like, I don't have Maryland as, like, a top 40 team. High key, the Maybe Big Ten 40. at best has four top 25 teams. If Illinois gets Kofi Coburn back, which I guess that leads us into our next uh, talking point segment, uh, if they get Kofi Coburn back, they'll be ranked for me. I'll probably catapult them into my top 15. Yeah, I would say probably top 20. I'd have them like Maybe right there. I mean, that's a good team. Yeah. I mean, it's essentially the same team as last year. I I mean, I, I Miller's obviously gone, and Ayodisunu is gone. But it's like this kind of the same team that was playing without Ayo and somewhat making a run. They obviously beat Michigan. They'll be a good team next year. I won't. I can't get there with the top ten upside. Uh, I can maybe see top fifteen though. You had Alfonso Plummer from Utah, big time bucket getter, one of the best shooters in the Big Ten next season, and you had a few solid recruits with uh, Braden Podzemski and Luke Good. Those are two good incoming players. R.J. Melendez also, that's a solid recruiting class coming in. I'm not sure exactly how larger roles those guys will play, but I think they'll all play some kind of role eventually. But, yeah, I think Illinois is a good team. If they're able to get Cobert back, which it seems highly possible, you get Curbelo. Uh, to return again for a sophomore season, nine points a game, four rebounds per game, and four assists per game during his freshman campaign. Very impressive do-it-all guard. He needs to improve that shooting a lot, and then he'll be able to reach his ceiling. Then you get Trent Frazier back for the free year. You get Alfonso Plummer. You get Jacob Brandison. You get Austin Hutcherson. If he's able to be healthy, he's got uh, like a 40-inch vertical. He's six foot seven and can absolutely shoot the ball from deep. You get Demonte Williams back for the extra year. And you get Kofi Coburn back, potentially. This is a really good roster. I like this team a ton if Coburn is back. And look, Coburn definitely has his limitations. He struggles to defend, you know, outside of protecting the rim, even though he's not much of a rim protector. Like, it's hard to move him out of his space because he's so big. So he could just kind of, you know, just be a wall, I guess, in a sense, and be tough to push off the block. Which, you know, that works for a guy who's his size. He's 280 pounds. But if you get him in, like, a pick-and-roll situation, he's going to struggle to defend that big time. But And he can't really score outside of, like, eight feet. But he can really dunk the ball. And, again, inside, once he has that post positioning, you're not going to be able to contain him because he's so big. Yeah, I, I found it funny. They were playing, like, Iowa late in the season. Luca Garza's a big, big guy. And Kofi Coburn was just, like, Oh, get get off me, little, little guy! Uh, I'm gonna dunk this this basketball, uh, and he did. Like he made Luca Garza look small, and Luca Garza, he's not the biggest dude in the world, but he's a pretty he's a big dude. Bi- yeah. six eleven, two sixty. Like that's a big individual. Yeah. yeah, and he made Luca Garza look small, and you know with Coburn, I think offensively, you know the guards making 
shots, you know, if you get Frazier, Plummer, Curbelo, and Williams to all, you know, get hot from deep, I mean, you're obviously going to do, they have Patterson as well, you're going to do good things. But uh, if you're able to, you know, if you're struggling in a game and you have Kofi Coburn, you say, okay, I'm going to, we're going to dump it down to you. You're going to go and scores two points on the block. And, you know, that's efficient scoring. And obviously, you know, Frazier, Curbelo, I think are a good backcourt tandem. Curbelo is going to run the point. I think Frazier played pretty well off the ball last season. And I, I expect him to score a little bit more this season but he's someone I think has the right amount of experience, right, you know, attitude to being a team player. You have Damani Williams, who's like a good uh, kind of 3-and-D player, undersized. You have Jacob Granderson, who's like a modern-day four. Now you have Kofi Coburn, uh, not to mention Omar Payne come off the bench. So if That's Coburn gets in foul trouble, you have uh, Omar Payne. Uh, they might get another, you know, transfer to uh, there's not much out there, but you never know. Uh, but I mean, if assuming Coburn does what he's expected to, Illinois is going to be very good. Yeah, and we can't forget Coleman Hawkins. I'm not sure how big of a role he'll play. He can play the four, but he's a six ten big man who's athletic and can shoot the ball from deep. Freshman last year, incoming sophomore. I'm wondering what kind of role he'll end up playing. He could definitely play some four. But he's probably not going to play a huge role if Coburn's back because that limits the amount of minutes he could play at the five. But he's definitely a high upside piece in the future. And if Coburn does indeed come back to Illinois and this is last season in Champaign, Coleman Hawkins could be the guy in 2022-2023. And we can't forget about a four-star freshman, Brandon Podziemski. Uh, he could be good. Yeah, he's a shooter. I, I, yeah. I don't know if he'll be like Andre Coberlo last season, but you know, he, at the size he is, the shooting ability he has, he could be a solid piece as like at the three. So uh, yeah, let's not forget that. that. Let's not forget that Adam Miller's ranked like 35 spots higher than Andre Curbelo in the rankings last year. That and is something. One of them is now playing with Will Wade. Yeah. And the other is is probably the fan favorite of Illinois. Yeah, that, that's quite the situation. I didn't see that happening, to be honest with you. All right, now it's time to get some, into some winners and losers. Uh, from this college basketball offseason thus far, uh, we, we each have our own list. Uh, we're going to you know go into it, uh, deep dive into some of the teams. Uh, do you want to start, or uh, do you want me to start? Uh, should we alternate, we, like, we each do one winner each and then one loser each? How about we do, like, one winner each and then we'll do, like, one loser each? Isn't that what we'll, I just said? I think so. So we'll just... I think so, yeah. We're on the same page. Yeah. Uh, I'll let you start with whichever okay. team you want. All right, I'll start with the winner. I'll go with Oregon. I like what the Ducks have done a lot this offseason. Big Will Richardson guy, he's going to be fully healthy. He had a wrist injury to begin, or a thumb injury to begin last year, but he's back. You do lose Chris Duarte. He was the best player in the conference last season. He got robbed of the Pac-12 Player of the Year award, and I will stand by that forever. But, yeah, Chris Duarte's gone. That's a tough loss. 
You lose a few other pieces that were pretty important, like LJ Figueroa, he's gone. Eugenio Marui, he's gone. So you pretty much lose your top three players. But how I look, or two, three of your top four probably, but kind of how I'm looking at it is the team wasn't looking great without those three because we all kind of assumed that they would be gone. But then you add Jacob Young, who was Rutgers' second best player, maybe their best behind Ron Harper Jr. last year. But he was really everything for that Rutgers team, a big-time energetic player, really quick to the basket, can defend. He's a solid shooter, brings a lot to the table for the Ducks. And then you get a guy like Davion Harmon, who was a high-level recruit coming out of high school a few seasons back. He's a really good scorer from, for uh, coming in from Oklahoma. He should be a solid piece at the guard spot. And then you add Quincy Guerrier from Syracuse, who I think is going to be really good on the defensive end and fits what Dana Altman wants to do perfectly. He's going to slide into that Eugenio Marui role from last year, and I think he might do even better at it. I could see uh, Quincy Guerrier being the Pac-12 player of the year. I'm not necessarily going to predict that, but I could see Guerrier averaging like 16 points a game, 10 boards, or 17 and 10. He's going to be a really good player for uh, Oregon next year. He can shoot the ball. He can defend multiple positions, which he didn't get a showcase in Syracuse's zone because that's just not how that really goes down over there. But at Oregon, he can show that he can defend multiple positions. He's quick enough to defend some guards, and he's big enough to defend fives. So I think Quincy Geary is going to catapult NBA draft boards, and he's going to be a big-time factor for the Oregon Ducks next season. I think they're a top-10 team in the preseason, I think they are real national title contenders. Yeah, and I, I especially like that three-headed guard monster. Uh, I would say Young will maybe run the points. I know Harmon played off the ball at Oklahoma last year. He'll probably do the same this year. Uh, you have Will Richardson who can run the points. So you have three point guards, which uh, – Three point guards is better than zero in college basketball. Uh, you've got Quincy Guerrier, who uh, I think is you know a perfect kind of four man, and then you've got you know Nathan Bintel, who or Biddle, who can be you know potential center inside. You've got Frank Kep- Kepning, um, and then you've got Nafali Dante, who who knows what we're going to have him, but former if you top have, ten recruit. Yeah, if you have three centers that are all like four or five star recruits you gotta think at least one of them's gonna pan out so uh, i'm just gonna say at least one of them will pan out you've got eric william jr uh coming off the bench uh you have luke Ruhr as well uh you have some depth with this team uh mm. some that i mean early in the off season it was like what what are we gonna get with this team and then like you have Davion Harmon, you've got Jacob Young. That's like, okay, this team's going to be very good. And uh, yeah, I think Oregon will be good. I'm going to stick in the Pac-12. I'll go with UCLA. Um, you know, get They lose, obviously, Chris Smith, but that's not that big of a loss. He wasn't even you know, playing by the end of the season. But getting Johnny Juzang is back is absolutely huge. Uh, his ability to just kind of be the go-to guy. And you know, late in the NCAA tournament, it was like, Johnny Juzang, go bail us out in every single game. He bailed them out, uh, was certainly big as, you know, in the Final Four game. Had the game tying bucket. You know, if Drew Timmy, you know, gets called for block, probably hits the game wing free throws to upset Gonzaga. Uh, Well, it was a charge. So, yeah. But, I mean, refs can always call it the other way. Can't trust refs. So, uh, and I think if... If they did call that a uh, block, he would have hit the free throws and 
UCLA would have pulled off uh, definitely the upset of the season, but it, that obviously wasn't how it went down. Uh, instead, Juzang hits the game-tying shot, and Jalen Suggs uh, ends the game. But what, what an incredible game. But you get uh, Juzang back, you get Hawkes back, uh, you have Tiger Campbell at the point guard uh, position, and then you get Miles Johnson, who is kind of a perfect you know, defensive big man. Can't shoot free throws. That's certainly a weakness, but uh, you just got to hope no one fouls them. Uh, maybe if you're a team playing them, you can foul them. Peyton Watson's coming in. He'll play the four uh, for the team. Uh, and then you've got Tiger Campbell, obviously, playing the point. You've got G- Jules Bernard, David Singleton, who are now like the sixth, seventh. Uh, Jalen Clark, probably the eighth man. Uh, this is a deep team. It's a good team. And UCLA uh, certainly has championship expectations. I wouldn't predict them to win a championship, but they need to be a top 10 team in the preseason. Yeah, you return the top nine players from a team that almost went to the national championship game. You add a five-star recruit with Peyton Watson, and you add a guy who averaged nearly a double-double at Rutgers, who made the NCAA tournament, almost went to the Sweet 16, but, you know, they folded late against uh, Houston. That was a very fun game, though. Quentin Grimes missed the two free throws. Then he's like, you know what? Three points is more than two. So he hit the three-pointer, and then Houston was just full steam ahead from there. But I think that this team is definitely a top-five preseason team without question. Yeah. Uh, the thing with Johnson, too, it's like he had a dunk to, like, put that – put Rutgers up seven with, like, three minutes to go. And I'm like, if he would – like, at the time, I think everyone was thinking, if he makes that dunk, the game's over, and now I think Houston's going to win. And – I was right in that, but uh, yeah, ho- hopefully Johnson improves on his free throw shooting. Uh, that's certainly going to be big. If not, I mean, they can always just have Cody Riley play Mets at the five because, I mean, Cody Riley started on a Final Four team. Mm-hmm. So they, they're certainly going to be good. Um, you want to start with your first loser? Yeah, I'll go I'll go with Georgia Tech here. So they're a team that made the tournament last year, obviously won the ACC tournament. They would have been in anyways. They started off rocky last year, losing to Mercer, losing to Georgia Georgia State in two bye games, which looked rough. They're going non-contact practices, which uh, didn't work out, to say the least. And then they lost to Loyola Chicago in the round of 64. No Moses Wright because he tested positive for COVID. And there will be no Moses Wright next year. There will be no Jose Alvarado. I do like Dave, uh, Davion Smith coming in from Mississippi State. But on this roster right now, they have Rodney Howard as the big man with the most experience on the team. And he played seven minutes a game last year. I think that tells you everything you need to know about how I feel about this Georgia Tech team. Big time losers and Josh Pastner is probably on the hot seat again. Uh, I think he bought himself like another two years. But I mean, with uh, Alvarado, like Alvarado's was such a big piece to the team uh just because of like his energy his court leadership that's a big loss uh they could have certainly gotten him back they could have gotten Moses right back uh he's obviously off to the pros so I mean I don't think they're gonna be completely terrible I think Kyle Strudevant will take a step forward uh DeVoe you know now's your time to be the go-to guy like I could see this team like 
I don't think they'll finish like last in the ACC, mostly because, uh, I mean Boston College exists, so there's one be, team. I'll be mentioning them later. So yeah, you've got Pitt, which I think I, I'm mentioning them later. Uh, Wake Forest was they they can't be any worse. Uh, They're improved. They're pretty improved. I yeah. I like Wake Forest. Uh, Clemson, I'm not buying. Uh, they're they're losers too. I don't I don't think either of them have us on have them on a list, but they're losers. I'll tell you that. They're 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 not losers. They're just frauds. Get them out. I mean, of my they team. lost they lost their only good player. So like yeah, yeah they're yeah. losers for sure. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, I mean, I think they'll finish like 11th in the ACC and win enough games that you're like, uh, well, they weren't terrible this year. We'll keep Josh Pastner around. Uh. Hey, that's a good – I mean, I don't know who else they can get. So uh, maybe just keep Josh Passner around. Dennis Gates. Dennis Gates, you could get him. I would – I'd rather have Dennis Gates than Josh Passner. Yeah. Um, whether they do that, that's a whole different question. Uh, I think they'll probably just keep Josh Passner around, though. Uh, I'm going to go with my first loser, uh, Minnesota. Uh, what what a disaster! This team is they're making Nebraska and Northwestern look good, and whatever you're doing that, you're you're terrible. Minnesota uh, next season. I mean, let's just look at some of the returning pieces. Peyton Willis. Uh, well, technically, he's kind of returning. Yeah, uh, Eric Curry, I guess, is back. Uh, Isaiah, no, he's he, like, I think you're tired from basketball. Uh, so he's not back. Well, then, I mean, th- here's the thing, right? You had Brandon Johnson transfer out of the program, and he was like the eighth best player on your team and probably would have been your first best player on that team. That's how bad it's gotten. Like, Marcus Carr, you expected him to leave. Uh, Jamal Mashburn, sure, uh, that that but he was like a potential breakout candidate next year uh probably would you know averaged like 10 points a game more than he averaged this past season just because someone has to shoot the shots uh booth gotch is gone gabe kalsher is gone jameer harris is gone trey williams is gone uh liam robbins is gone like there's just so many guys out that like there's no way this Minnesota team is good. Uh, I don't even think they'll like if they finish 13th. I mean, the season might as well just be a success. Uh, they, it's this roster is terrible. Uh, Minnesota number one loser. I don't even think it's close. Uh, the Golden Gophers stink. Yeah, this is one of the worst high major rosters I have ever seen in my life. This is a terrible team. I'm like, and I think Ben Johnson's going to do a really good job. And I've seen Minnesota fans already be critical of him. It's not his fault this team is terrible. There's just not much he could have done. I mean, he just kind of had to piece it together for year one and see what happens. But when uh, everybody except for Isaiah Eden leaves, who I actually like a lot, I think his high upside was kind of bad last year. But hopefully he improves this season. When you lose everybody else, it's going to be a rough first year. I like Jameson Battle. He can shoot the ball coming in from George Washington, but he can't defend anything. Uh, then you add a guy like Charlie Daniels, who's not a high major player at all from Stephen F. Austin. And then you add a few other guys who are definitely not high major players, like 
EJ Stevens is a borderline high major guy, but he's probably going to start coming in from Lafayette. He is not go. He's not a Big Ten starter. He's just not. I think he's a fine player. He's not a Big Ten starter. Same goes for Sean Sutherland and uh, Luke Louie from William and Mary Sutherland from uh, New Hampshire. I don't see either of those guys really being high major players. Parker Fox is okay coming in from a D2 school, but overall this team is really bad. I would be surprised if they won more than one conference game. I think they'll win one just because dumb luck happens, uh, but I, I wouldn't go anything more than two. I'll say that. Yeah, that's fair, and I guess now I'll go into another winner. I will go next with, let's see who I want to go with here. I have my list out. Let's go with Iona. I'll go with the mid-major here. Uh, I've been, uh, Mac fans have been telling me how incorrect I am for saying that they're going to go undefeated in conference play, and apparently having Rick Pitino as your head coach at the Mac level, paired with adding Tyson Jolly, a 15-point-per-game score at SMU, Elijah Joyner, who had 10 points, 4 rebounds, and 4 assists. You do lose Isaiah Ross and Asante Gist, but you add Jolly and you add Joyner to replace them. You add Quinn Slazinski. You have a good piece inside with Nelly Jr. Joseph, Osborne Shema off the bench, Ryan Myers as a shooter off the bench, and, of course, Rick Pitino as your head coach. This is a really good roster. This is a really well-coached team. There's nobody in the conference even close to them, and I think they will run away with the conference easily, even if they don't go undefeated. Yeah, they'll, they'll certainly run away with the conference. I think anything but winning the conference by four or more games uh, would be kind of surprising. Uh, they'll dominate the league. Uh, I mean, the thing is, maybe they don't go undefeated. Maybe they do. Uh, you know, luck, sometimes you, you're just like, I mean, Gonzaga, they, this past year, almost lost to uh, UCLA. You would have said Gonzaga is, like, way better than UCLA, but uh, at the same point, like, you know, luck happens. Like, sometimes you have a cold shooting night. Sometimes you're just not locked in. Uh, It's hard to go undefeated. Uh, But, I mean, Iona's going to be favored in every single game. They're playing by at least five points, I would think. And in the MAC, that's really, like, you know, eight points because the the Mac is so slow paced. So, I mean, Iona is just, they have more talent. They have a better coach. Uh, maybe some team beats them, but, you know, they're, they're clearly, like, they're going to win the league championship pretty easily, I think. Uh, I, Iona is just very good. They're going to be in the NCAA tournament. Without question. And it's it just comes down to whether they go undefeated or not. Uh, maybe they lose a game or two, but uh, I wouldn't say they lose anything more than three games next season in the MAC, and I'd probably set the number at like one. Yeah, I agree. All right, I'm gonna stay in the MAC, but not that MAC. I'm gonna go with the Buffalo Bulls. Uh, this is a team returning a lot of pieces uh, from uh, this past season. Uh, they get Jonathan G- Williams back. Uh, he's certainly good. They got. Uh, Trayvon Fagan, uh, Josh Mabal. This this is a team that, uh, especially now with Jason Preston out of the league, I think has become the clear team to be in the MAC. Uh, the the Buffalo Bulls they just have a lot of talent. Uh, th- this team uh, they're they're going to win the league. I could see it being by you know three you know four games. Uh, I think 
they're just pretty clearly, at least in my eyes, better than them. I think Ohio will still be decent enough to win games. Bowling Green uh, has never made the NCAA tournament, so I'm not going to predict them to essentially uh, do it. But they'll, they'll be decent. Like, there's some decent teams in the MAC, but I think Buffalo's like on a pretty clear uh, S tier in this league. Yeah, you get Ronaldo Segu back, you get Josh Mabala back, you get Jonathan Williams back. That's a really good trio for Buffalo next season. I think they should be the favorites in the conference, without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Your next loser? Uh, Let's go with Cal. They're a very bad team. I'm going to be honest. They lose Matt Bradley, who was the leading scorer on the team by far, and they didn't really add a whole lot. They added Jordan Shepard from Charlotte. You get Grant Antisevich back for the free year of eligibility. Same goes for Mikhail Foreman. Uh, they lose Ryan Betley. But besides that, there's not a ton on this roster. It's going to be a really rough year for the Golden Bears. There's not a lot of upside on the team either. I think Lars Teeman could be a solid piece. But they're just not a very good team. Joel Brown maybe steps into a bigger role. He was a big player coming in from Canada. But overall, this is going to be the worst team in the Pac-12 by far. Yeah. Uh, Cal's just it's it's not a good program uh let's let's just face it as is uh mark fox being the hire uh i i guess he's an upgrade uh over the previous regime but that's not saying a whole lot so uh cal i just like they're probably not gonna like they there's enough pieces that they probably won't go like in 18 in Pac-12 play, but I mean, I still think they're going to finish last in the Pac-12 next season. Yeah, definitely. I don't see anybody even in the same, like, stratosphere being that bad. Yeah, especially, like, Washington had that potential, but they added some uh, good pieces. Emmett Matthews Jr., uh, Utah is going to be solid. Uh, Washington State is actually a probably... Yeah, tournament caliber team. USC is a tournament caliber team. Uh, Stanford, I don't think they're going to be great, but, I mean, they still have way more talent. Oregon State returns a lot of pieces. Colorado's not bad. Arizona State's uh, rough year, but, I mean, I think they... They'll be improved. Yeah, they'll be improved. And even if they are Arizona improved, they're still... Improved. Yeah, even if Arizona State is not improved, they're still still going to be way better than Cal. So, yeah, Cal's worst team in the Pac-12. Um, let's see. My next loser, I'm going to go with Virginia. Uh, they just didn't do a lot in this offseason. And then uh, they obviously lose Trey Murphy. Uh, I mean, they're... We we thought from the beginning that Sam Hauser, Jay Huff is gone, but I mean Trey Murphy, all of a sudden kind of becoming a you know potential first rounder, uh, probably not something they expected. Uh, they do get in Jaden Gardner, not a terrible uh, addition. He might lead the team in scoring, but like there's just not a lot of upside. Like Kihei Clark, we know what he is. Uh, Reese Beekman is. Uh, I think he has a pit, the potential to be a breakout candidate, but he essentially has to be that. Uh, Armand Franklin is what he is. Like, if this roster was coached by, you know, 
Archie Miller. Josh Pastner. Art Josh Pastner. We'd be talking about this as like we wouldn't even be talking about this team because if they they'd be irrelevant. Uh, the only reason like there's hope is that oh Tony Bennett's the coach, so Tony Bennett has made uh, worse rosters look like you know halfway decent rosters. So he'll do that with this one. So uh, that's the only that's the only thing saving Virginia from me completely you know killing them. But they're gonna be not good. And anyone that has them top twenty five. What are you looking at? Because I I want mm-hmm. I want whatever you're smoking. Yeah, this is a this is a weird roster. I I like Jaden Gardner, but he isn't a shooter, and they're very much lacking a shooter. Like Francisco Cafaro and Caden Shedrick inside, they can't shoot the ball either. And then you have a guy like E.A. Clark who also can't shoot the ball. You do have Armand Franklin who can't shoot the ball. He's by far the best shooter on the team. We'll see what Tane Murray does, a freshman from Australia. He was a very good shooter uh, in Australia, so I think he could be that here. But freshmen for Tony Bennett are never big-time players. I think Reese Beekman could break out. Break out. I don't. I don't. I think I said beak out. Uh, Breakout. But uh, I, I think I think he could be a pretty good player too. Obviously, I think he could average close to double figures. But he's not much of a shooter either. There's just not a lot of shooting on this roster. You lose all of your good shooters from last year: Trey Murphy, Sam Hauser, Jay Huff. Tom, uh, Tomas will say so they're all gone your four best shooters they're gone and you you just didn't add much to replace them I agree they're losers this offseason Tony Bennett will add them in the tournament but they're not a great team yeah uh, I, I think it's pretty clear we need to if you're Virginia you need to move on from Tony Bennett he's not winning the offseason uh, you know if you take away the national championship I mean what, what does Hold he up. have he has a national championship that's what he has if you take away the national championship team, what does he have? Why would you do that? Why would you take the national championship away? For fun? No, nah, it's not fun. That's like Texas Tech fans saying that Mark Adams is better than Chris Beard because uh, Chris Beard went to a national championship and lost or whatever their ridiculous reasoning is for that. Yeah, I mean, Mark Adams has zero losses in the NCAA tournament. I think that's factual. True. That is true. That is true. I, I think okay. it's also, I mean, it might be true, actually. He did coach, where did he coach before? He coached somewhere and wasn't great. And I think Mark Adams will do a very good job. So this isn't, this is not an anti-Mark Adams podcast at all. We, we both think he'll do good. But when he coached at uh, Texas Pan American, which is now UT Rio Grande Valley, he went, uh, Let's see, 44 and 90 in five years. So technically zero and zero in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Zero NCAA tournament losses. Chris That's Beard impressive. can't hit. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I I need to look at here, but I I think Mark Adams is the best coach in the Big 12. You look at the rest of the Big 12, uh, you've got Chris Beard obviously has lost an NCAA tournament game. You've got Bill Self, who's Lost multiple NCAA tournament games. Bob Huggins. Scott Drew. Scott Drew's lost NCAA tournament games. Uh, you've got Jamie Dixon, who's lost NCAA tournament games. Uh, Mike Boynton has now lost NCAA tournament games. Bruce Weber, Long, or uh, Porter Moser have lost NCAA tournament games. So, I mean, Long I think Kruger Mark has Adams. too. Long he might not Kruger. even be the coach, but he's done it. <laughs> I'm so used to him being the coach at Oklahoma that 
I thought I forgot Porter. See, I haven't seen Porter coach Oklahoma to get get adjusted to that fact. Yeah, I probably I, I feel like I've said like Roy Williams when talking about uh, North Carolina, and I just I don't know if I have, but in my head I'm just like yeah, Roy. Like when I think of North Carolina in my head, I just like picture Roy Williams on the sideline. I'm just like I'm gonna have to erase that image from my head. It just yeah. it's not a thing I'll have to see anymore. So we're gonna we're gonna do the same thing next year when it's uh, John Shire instead of Coach K. That's gonna be so weird. Like, imagine you're getting into college basketball next season. You're like, I don't know, ten years old, nine years old. And you're getting into college hoops for the first time, and you see Hubert Davis and John Shire on the sidelines for Duke in North Carolina, and that's all you know. And it's like that is just insanity to me. That that's a thing. Cause like you think. Genera- I mean, Roy Williams obviously wasn't at North Carolina forever. I mean, for like 20 years or whatever. But, like, Roy Williams was on the Kansas sideline before that. And, you know, he was an assistant at North Carolina. So, like, for, for like, generations, like, people, at least with Duke, like, you've seen Duke, you've seen Coach K, like, our parents. Like, you see, they saw Coach K on the sideline when watching Duke. Like, that's just so weird that the next generation's not going to see that ever. Yeah. Oh, and I T.J. Altsberger made the NCAA tournament at South Dakota State, right? He did. Yeah, they lost to. Uh, All right, T.J. Altsberger's lost NCAA tournament games. They Mark lost to Cade Bates, Diop, and Ohio State. Yeah, so I mean, Mark Adams, best coach in the Big Twelve, confirmed. I for, I totally forgot T.J. Altsberger is the coach of Iowa State. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, they're kind of un- irrelevant, but yeah, back back to Virginia. I mean, I I just don't like the roster. I agree. Yeah. So uh, back back to winners, right? Yeah. No. No. Have I done another loser? I th- no, I didn't. Uh, you you had California, right? Oh, right, right. Big time losers. Okay, back to winners. Let's yeah. go with SMU. You get Kendrick Davis back, who's one of the best point guards in the country. You add the Southland Player of the Year, Zach Nuttall, who's a really good shooter. From Sam Houston State, you get Tristan Clark back, who's a big wild card. If he can be healthy, he'll be a really good player. You get the Weathers, uh, I think they're twins, Marcus and Michael Weathers from Duquesne and Texas Southern. They'll both be good pieces next year. You get Emmanuel Bandumel back. You get Isaiah J.C. back. And I think that rounds out the roster. Uh, I feel like I'm missing somebody. Hold on. I, I didn't have the roster pulled up. I'm going to be honest. That That's on me. I typically do. But for uh, some I- reason, I... Darius McBride, uh, they have, uh, you mentioned Band Duel, uh, Zach Nudal. Yeah, Zach Nudal from Sam Houston State. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, I guess I wasn't missing anybody. Okay, cool. Yeah. Thought I was missing somebody, but no. I mean, this team is going to be competitive for the NCAA tournament. I think they could make the dance. I'm a little lower on them just because Tim Jankovic, uh, I don't think, is a very good coach. He's definitely, there's been some, this is a real make or break year for him. If he doesn't make the tournament with this team, we could see a different coach for SMU next year. See, here's the thing. SMU, TCU, Penn State, I'm just going to pencil those schools into the NIT every year because that's all they do. Like they're Well, hold up. Pat, Pat Chambers is not at Penn State anymore, so. Well, I'm still going to pencil them into the NIT. Micah Shrewsbury is going to do way better than Pat Chambers ever did. Well, uh, that's not saying much. I don't think his uh, his one NCAA tournament that he would have made got canceled. So I don't think he's he made an NCAA tournament. So he did not. No. 
the bar is low. Although Pat, Pat Chambers famously said after they won the 2018 NIT, this is way better than making the NCAA tournament. What? Totally, dude. Yeah, I'd rather lose by 65 in the NCAA tournament to a 16. If I, I'd rather be a one seed and lose by 65 to a 16 seed than win the NIT. I'm going to be honest. I mean, Pat, Pat Chambers, he's essentially saying that 2018 Penn State is better than uh, 2018 Virginia. Yeah, pretty much. And, you know, yeah, totally. Play those two teams. I I think Virginia would win. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Uh, yeah, especially with uh, Mamadi Diakete, uh, DeAndre Hunter, Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome. I guess... Well, DeAndre Hunter is hurt, so... Yeah, so DeAndre Hunter doesn't play. They still probably win. You could start Jack Salt at point guard, and they would have won that game, probably. Yeah, I mean, it is the coaching advantage thing, so... Easy. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I like this SMU team to be in the NIT. Uh, Kendrick Davis is a star. They've got the Weathers brothers, who uh, can go both go get buckets. Uh, Bam Duel... Uh, he's a solid option for the team. Uh, who knows what we're going to get out of Tristan Clark. They have NCAA tournament potential, uh, but Tim Jankovic is the coach. They're going to the NIT. Certainly fair. Uh, I'm going to go. I, mean, I think we haven't mentioned Texas yet. Uh, we have to go with Texas because they obviously get a major coaching upgrade in Chris Beard. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, through, you know, the transfer portal, they have a, you know, potential top 10 team. They've got Courtney Ramey. Uh, they've got Devin Askew, Andrew Jones at the guard spots. They've got Timmy Allen. They've got Christian Bishop, who should probably transfer. Uh, they've got Brock Cunningham, Dylan Disu, Trey Mitchell, Jalen Tyson. Uh, where do we begin or where do we end? Well, we end with, they still could get Marcus Carr. So, uh, they could even be bigger winners, but they're they're already huge winners of the offseason. Yeah, you touched on it, Will. They have by far the best transfer class this offseason. They had a top five coach in college basketball, in my opinion, at the moment. Uh, and I just think that they're huge winners. When we were looking at this team, probably on the podcast after Texas lost to Abilene Christian, or maybe we didn't talk about this live on the podcast, but I at least mentioned it. To you, I was like, just looking at this roster, I'm like, you lose Jericho Sims, you lose Matt Coleman, you could lose Courtney Ramey and Andrew Jones. I'm like, where do you go with this team? Like, Shaka Smart's going to have his hands full next season. Like, he's going to get fired after the year. And, you know, he ended up leaving for Marquette. Chris Beard goes to Texas, and now they're going to be a top 10 team in the preseason. Big time winners. Absolutely. And the, the other thing, too, is like, uh, we're like, well, Ramey's probably gone, or Jones is probably gone, because uh, both, because they they had just come off like their big uh, fight, so they we thought, oh, well, they hate each other as well. So I mean, one of them's gone. Uh, now they have both there. Uh, that maybe not the best thing, but I mean, maybe one will transfer when uh, Marcus Carr comes there. If Marcus Carr comes there, probably not. Yeah, my next winner is going to be Seton Hall. Last year, obviously, missed it on the NCAA tournament. They looked like they were in a really good position to make the tournament, but they kind of struggled down the stretch, preventing them from doing so. 
lost early in the Big East tournament to uh, Georgetown, and then they lost a few other games late. But you add Jameer Harris, who fits a need very well. They needed a guard that could go get buckets last year, and they just didn't have that. They were hoping Bryce Aiken would be that guy, but he struggled with injuries. He was never consistent. He's on the. He's going to be back next year for the extra year of eligibility. He's going to hopefully find some consistency and stay healthy. But Jameer Harris was really good for American last year, one of the top 10 scorers in the country, and really shoot the ball. You also had Alexis Yetna, a perfect stretch for to kind of step into that Sandro Mamukele's Vili role. He's not the same player at all, but he's a guy who can shoot the ball from deep. You're, it, losing Mamu is going to hurt, but Jared Roden and Alexis Yen, they could add some solid minutes there at the four. And then at, you also add Kadari Richmond from Syracuse, who I think could be an all-Big East caliber player. He's a really good defender. He's super athletic and strong. He's not much of a shooter yet, but he can really drive and score at the bucket if he can shoot the ball from deep though he's going to be one of the more valuable players in the conference this is a team i like a lot you also get miles kale back for the extra year of eligibility a good three and d wing this is a tournament team without question in my mind a top four team in the big east yeah i think the the big east especially is like really kind of wide open so it definitely opens up for uh satan hall to potentially make it uh villanova i think is the team to beat I think St. John's will be in the NCAA tournament. I think Xavier will be in the NCAA tournament. I could see Seton Hall being the fourth team uh, out of those four. Uh, Bryce Aiken uh, wasn't great last year, but, I mean, getting another year in the system is going to be good, uh, going to learn. Uh, Jared Roden, I think, is poised to take a breakout step this year. You've got Kadari Richmond. Uh, you've got Jameer Harris. You've got Tyree Samuel, who I really like. You've got... Uh, E.K. Obiagu, you got Alexa Isietna. Uh, they have a lot of really good pieces. Uh, and, like, you know, with Kevin Willard, he's always got a team that's ready to compete. Uh, they, you know, always, like, out of nowhere, their freshmen turn out. Uh, we'll kind of wait and see, you know, which freshmen end up doing well, whether it's, like, Brandon Watson or Tyler Powell. I think one of those guys will be an instant contributor. You've got Kadari Richmond. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the, the trust in Kevin Willard to ha- put out a tournament team. Uh, I don't think I had them in my early season bracketology. Uh, Whoa, already, really? But, uh, I mean, I, I could see it. I think one. Are they like your first four out or what? I think they're pretty close. Wow, that's a little disrespectful. Yeah, I think I no, they're in, actually, I think. OK, that's good. They're the last team in. They mm, they got okay. bumped down a seed when St. John's got uh, champagne back. A whole seed line bump for that? Yeah. Okay. Someone see if St. John's moves up to the ten line, someone's got to move down to the twelve line. That's fair. So Seton Hall was that team. But yeah, who's that, your next winner? My next winner. Mm. Uh. So let's see, we talked about Texas and UCLA. Um, I'll, I'll keep in the biggies. I'm going to go with the Red Storm. Uh, getting Julian Champagne back is absolutely huge. Uh, you know, he's just a perfect kind of modern-day four-man. He can shoot. Uh, he's, you know, really long. Uh, quick for a four-man. Uh, he's quicker than a lot of the power forwards that are playing. Uh, and has guard-like skills, but he still has that length to kind of mess with you inside. So he's getting him back is absolutely huge. And then 
you know, I think they did a good job of filling out the rest of the roster, uh, got rid of kind of no offense to some of the players that were no longer on the team, uh, some dead weight. You've got Posh Alexander, who I think is, you know, my pick for Big East Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, he's just a pest at the guard spot. You've got Montez Mathis, who's kind of a not a great shooter, but he can, you know, he can make shots sometimes. Uh, you've got Seth Smith, who uh, is kind of like a good next to, uh, you know, solid point guard option uh, with Posh Alexander. You've got Aaron Wheeler, who uh, is going to start making shots one of these days, right? Uh, Hopefully, and then, that, that's kind of the hope. Yeah. Uh, if not, I mean, they they could go without him making shots, but they, it would be better if he made them. They've got Jules Soriano who can play the five. You got Yasa Nwime. Uh, Soriano, I think, plays the five. You got Omar Stanley. Uh, this is a really good St. John's team. Uh, I moved them ahead of Seton Hall for a reason. I think the Red Storm are going to make the NCAA tournament next season. I agree with you. I definitely think St. John's will make the tournament. Is their ceiling super high? No, they're not going to be like a top five seed in the tournament, but could they be like an eight or a nine seed? Sure. I think they're a tournament team. Julian Champagne could be the biggest player of the year. Maybe, maybe not. He's going to be in contention for it. He's really good last year. Like you said, Posh Alexander is going to be the defense player of the year. And Rafael Pinzin, uh, who's a freshman incoming, he's a 6'5 guard. He played for the U19 uh, team. I believe it was a... Puerto Rico U19 team. Yeah, it's the U19 Puerto Rico team, and he was really good. So, like, he's a combo guard, six foot five. He makes plays. He could be a good guard off the bench behind Posh Alexander, and maybe they could even play together. But Aaron Wheeler and Montez Mathis will play good roles on the defensive end. I think the St. John's team is definitely a tournament-level team next season. Absolutely. Uh, Want to get into – since we, we're – Alternating, we did do two winners, but we also needed to, at some point, do two winners. So let's go to the losers. Who we got? I will go next with Syracuse. Yeah, Syracuse. I mean, they're just not very good roster-wise. They didn't improve at all from a team that barely made the tournament last year. They lose Kadari Richmond, who I thought could have been, like, the future of that program. Obviously, you get Buddy Beheim back, who is the program right now. But Richmond gone, that's big. They didn't add a ton. They added Jimmy Beheim, who was solid at Cornell, but I'm not sure he's a high major player. You had Cole Swider, who can shoot the ball but can't defend. You had Samir Torrance, who is just like a, a whatever high major player. But they lost a good amount from last year. You lose Quincy Guerrier, who I would venture to say was their best player last year. I mean, you could argue it was Buddy Beheim, but give me Quincy Guerrier. Because of everything he brings to the table, you lose Alan Griffin, who was really good last year coming in from Illinois. You lose Merrick Dolajai, who was really good. So you lose four of your best players from a team that barely made the NCAA tournament last season. I just don't see how this is going to be a successful season for Syracuse. And it's not even you lost four really good players. You also lost some good contributors like Robert Braswell and Woody Newton. They're both gone, too. So you're going to have to start relying on guys like Jesse Edwards a lot. You're going to have to hope Joe Girard finds some kind of consistency because I thought he would take a big breakout year last year, but he was really bad last year. A little under 10 points a game, 35% from the field, 33% from deep, turned it over a fair amount. 
he just wasn't very good last year. They're going to need to find some. They need Girard to become a superstar if they're going to make the tournament next year. Yeah, I, I think Buddy Beheim, he's going to he's going to do what he does. He's going to go out. He's probably going to score. He might lead the ACC in scoring. He's he's pure buckets. His name is Buddy Buckets for a reason. It's not because he misses shots, although he did a little bit too many times against Houston for Syracuse to advance. But uh, Beheim's going to be good. I mean, Ger- Gerard is streaky, uh, which not great, but I mean, he gives you like he'll win you a couple games here or there. Uh, you've got J- Jesse Edwards and Bromas DB. I think the five position, the with Gerard, with Beheim, uh, with Edwards and Sidibe, who will probably be playing like you know minutes together. Uh, you've got Benny Williams, uh, four line five star recruit. That will help, uh, but I mean, there's what they lost is a lot of depth because you know you lose Richmond, uh, that that all of a sudden takes away you know a guard spot. Uh, you lose Quincy Guerrier, he's probably their best defender. Now you all of a sudden lose him. Uh, it, it's just they, they lost too many pieces. Alan Griffin. Uh, wasn't great last year, but I mean, you're still losing him. You still lose Mark Dolezal. Uh, so they lost a little t- bit too much. Cole Swider, we'll see what he does. I don't hate the starting five, but yeah, they're they're definitely not a winner of this offseason, especially when you have Quincy Girey and Kadari Richmond, probably you know the two biggest one. If those two come back, they're you know borderline top 25 team, maybe even a top 25 team. Yeah, for sure. Who's next on your list of uh, losers? Uh, I'm going to stay in the ACC. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. Uh, there's just, there's nothing good happening here. Uh, you know, they, they lose Justin Champagne, uh, which, you know, not all that surprising, but uh, you would have liked to have him return. And then, you know, you add in that, uh, you lose Xavier Johnson. Uh, he's elsewhere. Uh, Adesa Tony's now at Arkansas. Uh, just and like you're not necessarily replacing them with like good pieces. You have Nike Sadambe. Uh, he's fine. Uh, you have Ithiel Horton. Uh, you you were they were supposed to have Efton Reed. That that worked out <laughs> perfect for them. Uh, so now they have Muhammadu Guye uh, and Daniel Oladipo. Um, yeah, there's they they their their lone recruit is Nate Santos. Uh, they didn't necessarily add in you know any great transfers. Uh, so I guess Jamarius Burton. Uh, but if Jamarius Burton and uh, Ithiel Horton and Nike Dambe are uh, your three best players, you're not going to be good. So Pittsburgh. You're losers. Yeah, definitely a loser. I think uh, Femi Femi will be a very good piece. He could be a breakout, maybe be their leading scorer next season. Uh, Muhammadu Gee, like you said, coming in from Stony Brook, really good shot blocker, can shoot the ball from deep. But again, he's not a great player. He's a good piece, but he's not a great player. Uh, Dan Oladapo coming in from Oakland, he's not a great player either. They just added a lot of pieces. And they seemed kind of like desperate at times just to fill roster spots. They didn't add a star. They could have added a star from the portal. They just didn't. And they didn't get Efton Reed. It's definitely a bad offseason 
for the Panthers, but I think you touched on it very well. Now, leading into my next winner, here I'm going to go with Memphis. I mean, I know to most people they might not be a winner, but I'll go I'll go this for a few different reasons. Last year, they were pretty they were pretty solid, I guess. Like they won the NIT, they were a top 30 team in Ken Palm, and they barely missed out on the NCAA tournament. Like they were close. If they beat Houston one of the two times, they're in over Wichita State. Once DeAndre Williams became eligible, they changed as a team. They became way better. DeAndre Williams is one of the best defenders in the country. They get Landers Nolly back. They get Lester Quinones back. They get uh, Malcolm Dandridge back. They get Jaden Hardaway back. Tyler Harris, who left for Iowa State, is now back at Memphis as a walk-on. Alex Lomax is now the lone point guard on the roster with Damian Baugh and Boogie Ellis departing. I think Lomax was the best of the three, so he should be able to play a pretty good role there. You add Earl Timberlake, who is a guy who can defend every position on the floor. He's really athletic. He's going to be a good piece coming in for Miami. He didn't play much in his freshman season, but he is such a good defender, and he fits what Penny Hardaway wants to do perfectly as one of the best defensive teams in the country. You also add John Camden, a freshman, Jonathan Lawson, Joshua Minot, and uh, Sam Ayomide Onu. So this is going to be a very good Memphis team. There's a lot of length. There's a lot of athleticism. And there's a fair amount of shooting with Quinones, with Nolly. Williams can shoot the ball. Uh, Timberlake is able to stretch a little, uh, stretch the floor a little bit. They're not going to be the best shooting team. If they can be a top, I don't know, 70 team in Ken Palm's uh, offensive efficiency rankings, and they'll be top five in defensive efficiency rankings. They're definitely a top, you know, 15, 20 team, in my opinion, because they've been in the hundreds the past few seasons. I think two years ago, they were like 200th in offensive efficiency. They could be like top 70. If they could be somewhat respectable on the offensive end, they're going to be a really good team next season because their defense is just so good. And obviously, they get Hardaway to stay. I think Penny Hardaway is a good coach. I think he's a very underrated coach. Uh, Larry Brown coming in, who's one of, I think, is he the only coach to win uh, NCAA title and an NBA title? I don't know. I think he is the only one, right? As a coach? Yeah, he has to be. So So you get Larry Brown as an assistant. He's 80 years old. But, he again, he's won an NCAA title. He's won an NBA title. Nobody else can say that but Larry Brown. So now he's on staff. Penny Hardaway stays. I think this is going to be a top 10 team, maybe top 15 in my next rankings, but this is a really good roster. They're going to be good next season. Memphis will be back in the dance. Yeah, I agree. They're top 25 team. You know, when you get Larry Brown, yeah, yes, there's, you know, they, they always, you know, potentially present, you know, NCAA violation. Uh, Memphis which, already has those. So, yeah. So, I mean, what, what else do you got to lose? But what you get is a ball coach. Uh, he, if you're looking at someone who's just going to go out there and coach basketball players and make them better basketball players, that's exactly what Larry Brown does. So if you say, hey, we're going to take uh, Larry Brown off recruiting, or maybe you want Larry Brown on recruiting, uh, but whether he's recruiting or whether he's not, uh, probably better if he's not. I mean, you're going to get someone who – is going to go out there and you know coach these players up uh, really well. And as an assistant, I think that's a perfect fit. They could get Jalen Duran. Um, that would be well, game changing too. Like they're a top five team for me if they had Jalen Duran, who was the number one recruit in 2022, could reclassify. Yeah, who's I think it, maybe he's going to go professional. Uh, but I mean, if he goes to Memphis, go to Memphis. Yeah, go to, That's what I say. 
Here's what's here's what we need. We need FedEx to offer him a multi-million dollar sponsorship. That's what we need. Has FedEx offered any players a sponsorship? Not yet. Okay. Maybe they've offered like John Morant something. Who knows? Yeah, like I mean, is FedEx did FedEx start in Memphis? Is it, is that what I'm missing here? Yeah, it's like okay. that big thing in memphis i wasn't sure what i was missing i've never been to memphis so i can't uh confirm that but can't I'll, say I'll i've go. been either yeah i'll go with it i'll go with it i've never been but i'll say it's true memphis seems like a great place maybe i'll go this year maybe i'll go to a game and see that beautiful blue court memphis has the best court in college basketball uh but yeah memphis i think they're a really good team and like you said you can't understate the addition of adding a guy like larry brown Obviously, he's been in trouble with the NCAA uh, endless amount of times. But at the same time, this is a guy who wins a lot of college basketball games. I mean, he abruptly retired from or retired, just left SMU, which was kind of odd. I feel like everybody thought that would be the end of Larry Brown coaching in college basketball. But like this dude doesn't need a coach if he didn't want to. Like he doesn't need money. Like the amount of money, it's probably not that much. He's making from being an assistant on SMU on uh, Memphis's staff. Is not that much. Like, he doesn't need money. He can just go play at, like, a country club golf course all day if he wants to. He can go live somewhere else. Like, he doesn't have to do any of this stuff. But he's just one of those guys that loves basketball, and that's what he wants to do. So, like, adding a guy that's been able to win an NBA title or NCAA title, you just can't understate how much of a big-time addition that is for a program that struggled. I mean, Penny, I think the biggest thing for guys – who don't have head coaching experience, like you see Juwan Howard. He added a guy who had a ton of coaching experience with Phil Martelli, and look what they've been able to do. I'm not saying Phil Martelli's a reason that Michigan's been good, but Juwan Howard would even say himself that he's not the coach he is today without Phil Martelli helping him out. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll see what Larry Brown can do. We know what Larry Brown did do while at Kansas, and Kansas is a winner uh, of the offseason, at least for me. Uh the Remy Martin edition, we, we can talk about his shot selection. Uh, it's not the best shot selection, but he's going to go to a team in Kansas where I think he is basically going to be forced to uh, defer more often. Otherwise, uh, you can sit on the bench and let Dewan Harris or Joe Yesifu play. Uh, they get Jalen Coleman lands, which uh, provides some extra shooting. Joe Yesifu, we've you know mentioned him. Uh, then you got... You know, Ochai Abaji back, which I think is very important. He's their, their best defender. Uh, he can shoot threes. Uh, he He's certainly going to be big. They've got Brown back. They've got Wilson. They've got David McCormick. They've got uh, just a collection of depth all around. Cam Martin, KJ Adams, Zach Clements, like depth out the wazoo. This is a Kansas team that is, you know, trying to shape up and, win an NCAA title. And I certainly think, you know, coming into the off season, uh, we didn't know if Abaji would be back or not. I think it was early on lean that he wouldn't be back. Uh, there was, they probably weren't, you know, thinking they would get Remy Martin, but they get those two players. Uh, yeah. And Kansas is going to be, you know, very good hanging next season. Uh, we'll kind of wait and see exactly what they do, whether they win the big 12, but, uh, They've certainly elevated their, you know, potential dramatically since the offseason began. My question about Kansas is, can Remy Martin lead a team to a national championship? Is he able to defer enough 
and, you know, pass the ball, be more of a facilitator than a guy who's going to shoot the ball in every possession. And if he is that, which he's a very good passer, he just doesn't do it a ton. If he can do that, Kansas is a national championship contender because I agree with everything you said there. I think they're a really good roster, but Remy Martin has to be more of a facilitator than a shooter because he's not that good of a shooter. He can drive, but he's just not that efficient of a scorer overall. If he just takes what the defense gives him scoring-wise and then lets the rest of the team do their work and set things up for them, do some nice pick-and-roll stuff, I think Kansas will be really good there. Top-five team for me. I'm a little hesitant because I'm not sure Remy Martin's going to be able to do that. But if he does, they're a national championship contender without question. Yeah, uh, certainly going to be very good. Uh, we haven't touched on a mid-major loser, so why okay. go there next? Yeah, I'll go with... I'll go with Sienna here from the Mac. They lose their top three scorers from last year with Manny Camper, the conference player of the year. You lose Jalen Pickett. You lose Jordan King. King transferred to ETSU. Pickett transferred to Penn State. The Pickett won the conference player of the year two years ago. Camper last year. Camper's going pro. It's just, you know, they added some solid pieces like Anthony Gaines from Northwestern, uh, Jordan Kelly from Utah, Jackson Stormo is back, Aiden Carpenter is back but they also lose Colin Golson to Eastern Michigan. They lost a lot of pieces from a team that lost to Iona in the first round of the MAC tournament last year. And they last year looked like the year Siena was going to be back in the dance. And they were a really good team when they were on the court. They didn't get a start to their season until January because of COVID pauses. They had like three COVID pauses. But Siena just lost a lot of their team from last year. And I'm not, I'm not saying they're going to be a bad team. They're probably top four in the conference. But going from number one, Last year, which I think everybody had them number one to number four, number five, is a big time losing situation because now they don't have a bona fide star like they did with Pickett and Camper, and King was their third best scorer. He's gone too. So now you're going to have to rely on Aiden Carpenter to play a big role as a sophomore, which he can do, and then you're relying on a lot of transfers. I just think it's going to be a bit of a down year for Siena, and with how up Iona is, I don't see a way that they're going to make the tournament. Yeah, and you know, especially. When both those players, you know, if Camper uh, and Pickett both return, I mean, we're probably not, we may be talking about like Sienna being the team to be in, not Iona, uh, but, you know, certainly. I mean, it'd be up there. Yeah. Uh, I would still probably say Iona would be the team to beat, but it'd be close. And like last year, it's just, it's tough for Sienna because one, you think of last year, uh, it was the 1-8 game in which Iona shouldn't have been the 8 seed because they had – they were like 6-3 and three and ha- had like the third best record in the league. Now, Sienna won the game running away, but Iona had the third best record. They were – they should have been like a 3 seed or, you know, even like a, five, a 6 or 7 seed. Now, all of a sudden, you get this like – first round before you really get your feet wet before you know you can get into some way of a rhythm now all of a sudden you have to play an Iona team who shouldn't have been an eight seed in the you know first round of this uh, MAC tournament and it was a close fought game neither team shot well neither team was in a rhythm Iona you know ekes out and uh, ultimately just runs away with the other two games to make the NCAA tournament but Sienna, they should have probably, like, if that's seeded right, they're at least playing Iona in the uh, MAC championship game, which, you know, you can build off that. 
now all of a sudden they they lose that game. Uh, now you go into the offseason, you lose Jalen Pickett, you lose Man Camper. Uh, there's it's just been it's been a tough offseason for a Seattle team that you know was really really close to being an NCAA tournament team because I mean if they ultimately eke out a win against Iona, they would beat. Uh, they would have won the next two games. I forget who Iona played, but I mean, they it was they played Fairfield of, in the championship, so yeah, and they blew them out. So I mean, I think Sienna would have done pretty much the same team, but now you know they'll probably finish like fourth or fifth in the MAC. Uh, maybe they'll get revenge on Iona, but uh, certainly a down upcoming season, most likely. Uh, as compared to this past season. Yeah, let's get into one of your mid-major losers. All right. Um, I'm going to start with Hartford. I think they have the potential to win the American East. It's not necessarily about this year. It's about them being outside the you know, Division One going forward. This is a terrible decision by uh, the league, uh, or by Hartford. Uh, and it, I guess it won't affect the current players, uh, but it's going to affect players, you know, in the future. And, you know, for those players, especially like you, you if you make the NCAA tournament, you want to rep your, you know, brand going forward. Even if like Hartford all of a sudden starts to sink, uh, you know, you're still like, well, we, we were the reason Hartford was good, you know, that, but they don't even have an opportunity to you know, stink the usual way. They they go from being in D1 that now you have to go to D3 and uh, the the players don't get scholarships anymore because I think in D3 you have to pay your way onto the team. Uh, mm-hmm. Major loss. All, all the current players that want to stay, uh, their scholarships will be granted. But, like, in the future, it won't yeah. be. Yeah. It, good luck getting people to go to Hartford. Uh just a terrible decision by the school president. I, I I think there's a lawsuit out there. I hope this gets overturned. I hope Hartford, you know, still plays in the American East. But based on the sounds of it, this is a disaster. Uh, what an epic failure by this school university to not only fail these players, but uh, fail themselves. Because, I mean, playing sports is or sports are essential to have universities and you don't get to play this now. So mm. major. yeah, like, yeah, like they, they said they're losing money and said, you know, a lot of millions of dollars, but at the same time, like going down to D three might chop that down a little bit, but I think there's other opportunities where you can make money from college sports, even at the America East level, you just have to find the right way to do it. And like, look, I feel bad for, coach Gallagher at Hartford because he's a guy that's been there. This will now be his 11th season at Hartford. His first, you know, six, seven years, it wasn't very successful, but even back in 2016, 2017, they only won nine games, but the last four years, he's really turned it around, got to their NCAA tournament, which was huge for the program. They weren't seen to do that at all. I mean, it was UMass Lowell and Hartford in the championship, not Vermont and UMBC, like everybody imagined it would be. But Hartford got to the tournament, obviously lost to Baylor. But 
like that's such a big thing for this program and the money that this made the program like they were able to go to the tournament it made their conference money and it made their it made their program money so it's just like it's such like a gut punch to do that like make the tournament and then they're like oh yeah by the way in three years you're going to be in the d3 level like for a guy who's been there for 11 years like for john gallagher that's such a brutal move because he's put his heart and soul into this program and now, you know, I assume he's – I mean, I don't know him, but, like, is he going to stay when the team's D3? Like, I'm sure most coaches wouldn't want to because you're a Division One basketball coach, not a Division Three basketball coach. And no disrespect to Division Three basketball coaches, but, like, it's not the same thing. Yeah, and I, the other thing, too, is I think with the turnaround he's done at Hartford, he'll, he'll get another head coaching job. It's Absolutely which one he should. wants. Uh, yeah, and like this is a this is a solid roster next year too. Like Moses Flowers, Austin Williams, uh, Hunter Marks. Uh, I could see Thomas Weebly being the breakout player with Miroslav Stoffel transferring to Central Michigan. But like this is a team capable of making the tournament. But I'm not sure even making the tournament will turn around the decision that they've made. They seem pretty dead set on moving to D3. Yeah, what a what a terrible decision though. Um, yeah, what let's 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 brighten the day up. Uh, you have another winner? Yeah, I'll stick in the mid-major ranks with Colorado State. They, you know, return a lot. They return everybody except for P.J. Bird. In the time of the transfer portal, you're able to get your top two players, Isaiah Stevens and David Roddy, back. Uh, you know, you can return a few big men with James Moores and Deshaun Thomas. Uh, you get Adam Thistlewood back. You get Kendall Moore back. You get everybody back except for P.J. Bird. You had Chandler Jacobs from Dallas Baptist who can defend and chew the ball at the guard spot. He's going to be a very solid piece. You had uh, Baylor Hebb from Loyola Chicago. So this is going to be a really good team. I expect them to play a solid amount of maybe some small ball, put Roddy at the five, and put John Tanjay or Adam Thistlewood at the four, then go Jacobs, Moore, and Stevens at the one. That's going to be a very tough lineup for anybody to stop in the Mountain West, and they could run that for maybe half the game. They could go 20 minutes of that and then go Thomas and Moore's at the five at the other time of the game. This is a team that's going to be good, really good on the offensive end, they were really improved on the defensive end last year. But Nico Medved is really getting it going at Colorado State. They will play Alabama in the non-conference, which it could be an absolutely delightful game to watch. I'm very excited for that one. Might be my most, you know, uh, one of my favorite games I'm looking out for. Murray State and Memphis is up there, too. Th- those are going to be some really good matchups to watch in the non-conference slate of games that aren't like in an MTE. So I think next uh, next season, that's a game to look out for, Colorado State-Alabama. But Colorado State's a top-two team in the Mountain West. I had them right there with Nevada, who, I mean, they're not really a winner because I think everybody expects them to be pretty good. But Colorado State could have lost Isaiah Stevens and David Roddy to, to Kentucky or anywhere in the country, but they s- decided to stay at Colorado State. That's the biggest reason I think they're a winner. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Colorado State's going to be good, as is Louisiana Tech, who is my winner. Uh and it, it stems from this recent uh, U-19 uh, tournament where Kenneth Lofton Jr. was called by Chet Holmgren the MVP of the tournament. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the, the number one recruit, the projected top pick in the draft, said, you're the MVP. Uh, and Kenneth Lofton Jr. now becomes like a, you know, basketball junkies are going to be watching Louisiana Tech game. I'm going to be watching Louisiana Tech games, uh, and you know, it stems from Kenneth Lofton Jr., but this is a good team heading into next season. Uh, you've got, obviously, Lofton Jr., you've got 
Amari Archibald. You've got Isaiah Crawford. This is a team, uh, you know, with the Conference USA kind of being a little bit more up in the air hanging in the next season, uh, they could, you know, win the league. I think UAB is probably the team to beat. Uh, they they certainly had their collection of uh, incoming transfers, but you know with Western Kentucky probably taking a step back, N- North Texas going to take a step back. That leaves Louisiana Tech wide open, and Kent Lofton Jr. I think can be in for a big season uh, if he plays any way he did in the U19 game. He's uh, I think could win the uh, Conference USA Player of the Year. He's a you know dynamic player. Uh, you know, just very thick, which is uh, a good thing as well. So uh, I, I was excited to see him uh, ball out for Louisiana Tech or ball out for Team USA and good publicity for Louisiana Tech going into next season. Uh, they they could be very good. Yeah, and also Keaston Willis is going to be a very good transfer from Incarnate Ward. I think that this Louisiana Tech team could definitely be the top team in the conference. I have UAB 1, Louisiana Tech 2. But I think Louisiana Tech has a higher upside. But now going into another mid-major loser, give me Pepperdine. You know, this team won the CBI, but they lost their top three scorers. They lost Colby Ross, Kessler Edwards, and Cedric Altman. Altman transferred to Ryder. And, you know, you didn't add uh, anybody from the transfer portal. That's what they added. They didn't add any transfers. They added or That's not true. They added two transfers. I don't know why I said they didn't add anybody. That wasn't accurate. They added uh, Bron Hartfield from San Diego, and they added Keith Fisher from – Illinois State but yeah I mean they didn't add like a superstar but yeah they added two grad transfers who with one year of eligibility left you get Mike Mitchell Jr. who's the future of the program as a recruit coming in I think he's gonna be really good in year one probably gonna lead them in scoring but this is not a very good team Lorenzo Romar probably has the worst team in the conference next season and again I think that this is a team that you know has some guys on it, but they lost their best three players from a team who couldn't even make the NIT. So I think that tells you everything you need to know about Pepperdine. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they always like, they, they have more talent than, yeah, I think they'll find like one of these freshmen will probably hit uh, and be, you know, cause the, the one thing is uh, Romar is a very good, like talent evaluator. So I'll give him credit there. I think like one of these freshmen will turn out to be better than we expected. Um, but I mean, they're not going to be good next year. You, you look at the uh-huh. WCC, you've got Gonzaga, who's going to steamroll everyone. You've got BYU. Yes, Pacific takes a step back, but you have Loyola Marymount taking a step forward. You've got St. Mary's is always good. San Francisco's always, they're going to be good. Uh, we'll talk about them a little bit later. You've got Santa Clara. Uh, Portland uh, now has a good coach. Uh, no offense, Terry Porter. So, I mean, th- this WCC is getting better, and uh, Pepperdine did, certainly did not have a good enough offseason to uh, maintain their standing within that league. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, I'm going to stay out west. I'm going to go to the Mountain West, go to Utah State. Now, obviously... Uh, losing Craig Smith, I think, was in you know going to happen at some point. Uh, but I mean, it, that that it happens this year that you lose uh, Nemes Keita. Uh, they do get Justin B being back. Uh, they still have uh, Ryland Jones, Brock Miller, but uh, 
I, I don't think this team now going to next season is anything more than maybe the fourth best team in the uh, Mountain West, and that's if things break all the right ways, which uh, we've certainly seen that may not happen. So I, I'm, you know, back out on Utah State. I think, you know, Craig Smith is just, I think, was very underrated what he did with this program. Uh, I think they'll be fine going forward. I think they're in a better place before Craig Smith uh, left. But, uh, yeah, I think they it's a big offseason hit to lose someone uh, as good as Craig Smith was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Craig Smith is a tremendous coach. Like you said, you lose to Mia Skeda, who was your best player by far last season. He's going pro. He might get drafted. He might not get drafted. You also lose a few other pieces around him, like Alfonso Anderson. He's gone. You do get Justin Bean back, so that's a big-time guy to get to return. But you also lose Marco Anthony and Raleigh Worcester, who transferred to Utah following Craig Smith. So I think it's a, you know there's definitely some losses on the roster. I think Ryan Odom's going to do a good job. And you, he brings two guys with him, Brandon Horvath from UMBC, obviously, who came with Odom, and RJ Idlerock, who was one of the best players in the America East last year. I think they'll be a top five team in the Mountain West, but like they're not going to make the tournament. So maybe the NIT, but you know it'll it'll be a step down from what they were with Craig Smith. Absolutely. Um, we we've got four winners, three losers left. I'll let you decide. I have three winners left. Oh, you have three. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. I went with UCLA, Texas. Kansas, St. John's. Let's just cut one of your winners out. Wait, I do I do have three winners left. Okay. All right, cool. We're on the same page. All right, I'll go with Arizona here. I like what Tommy Lloyd is doing a lot in year one. They got rid of Sean Miller, which I feel like was the move that had to be made. He just wasn't winning consistently. And with FBI investigations and not winning, that equals getting fired. So I felt like that was a fine move to make for Arizona. You get Tommy Lloyd, who was a big part of what Gonzaga has done the past two decades. And he's has a really good squad year one. You had Pella Larson from Utah, who I think is a future NBA draftee. I think he's going to be a really good player in the Pac-12 this season, a good combo guard who really has every skill in his toolkit. Then you get Kirk Creasa for a full season. He wasn't eligible at the start of the season last year. Didn't hit a single two-pointer last year. He's 0 for 4 from two-point range. But that he has a lot of upside, and a lot of people in that program really like him, it seems like. So you have him back. Uh, Benedict Matherin, who could have went pro and maybe would have been a first-round pick. He's back. He could be a breakout player in the conference. Azulis Tubelis, who was really good for Lithuania in the U19 FIBA World Cup. He's going to be really good. Umar Ballo, who was pretty good for Mali in the U19 FIBA World Cup. And Matherin was good for Canada. I think that Ballo could be a really solid piece next to Tubelis. I would say Tube- uh, Ballo probably starts at the five. Maybe Christian Coloco starts at the five. One of those two will start. Tubelis will probably play at the four. Dalen Terry, who can defend every single position on the floor. He's just such a good defender. He has to improve on the offensive end, but he's one of the best defenders in the Pac-12. I think this Arizona team has a ton of upside. They have, like, elite eight upside in my mind. I mean, this is a good team. I think at worst they're a tournament team, but at best this is a team that can make some absolute noise in the NCAA tournament because of how many upside guys they have. I mean, Tubelis will play in the NBA someday. Uh, Matherin's going to play in the NBA someday. I think Larson's going to play in the NBA someday. And then you had a veteran like Justin Kyer from Georgia. Like, this is just a really good basketball team. And I think that Tommy Lloyd's going to bring the winning culture back to Arizona. Yeah, I, I think with Sean Miller, he just was so limited in what he could do by the end. Uh, 
that I I don't know if like Tommy Lloyd to Sean Miller is necessarily like a, much of a difference coaching wise. I think they're pretty similar, but you just get a fresh start. And I think you know the Sean Miller kind of experiment had run its course at that point. Uh, it, so I think it was just time to get a new coach. Uh, and plus he either wanted to get out of his contract or like he wasn't going to coach next year as is with just one year on his contract. Uh, so, I mean, I think it was the right time to move on. And then, you know, for Arizona, you've got, uh, I think a good team hen next season. You've got Benedict Matherin, you've got Azulis to, to Bellas. You've got uh, the Ballo Coloco uh, Ford, you know, that can work. Uh, you've got Pele Larson, uh, Kira Kriza, Dalen Terry. Like, there's a lot of talent. I don't know if the, I, I'm not buying quite into the lead eight upside, uh, but I, I think they'll make the tournament. Uh, and you know, if that that's something they obviously didn't do last year. Uh, 2020 was obviously canceled. Didn't make the tournament in 2019. So I mean, it. it it's been far too long since Arizona has been at an NCAA tournament team, and that will end next year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go with Kentucky. Uh, I think they've had a big off season. Uh, their off season got started a little start earlier than they would have liked, uh, but they they've certainly done some really good things in the off season. Getting Kellen Grady in, uh, that's a big thing. They got Ty Ty Washington to reclass, uh, decide to head to Kentucky. That's certainly big. They had Damian Collins. They had Oscar Shibway. Uh Probably not going to have Kofi Coburn, uh, but they could, you know, add Jalen Duran. Uh, probably not getting him either. Yeah, probably not. But they could theoretically. Uh, yeah. That's now where Kentucky's going uh, full steam ahead to. Uh, they've got Kellen Grady, uh, Washington Wheeler. C.J. Frederick, who uh, is hurt, so we'll see what he He'll he be does. back, though, Calipari said. So. Yeah. Uh, but you don't necessarily even need C.J. Frederick to be unstoppable. You've got Bryce Hopkins as a recruit. You've got Toppin and Keon Brooks back. You've got Lance Ware. Like, they they didn't get hit hard with the transfer portal. They didn't get hit hard with uh, E.J. Montgomery deciding to go pro, which, why? Still, yeah, he's not even in the G League. Like, that was one of the more puzzling moves I have ever seen in my life. Hey, but EJ Montgomery was one by one website ranked ahead of Zion Williamson. So, yeah, that is insanity to me. Uh, I guess they they lose Isaiah Jackson, uh, who could have theoretically come back, but I mean, you probably weren't expecting that. Um, yeah, but I mean the the Wildcats certainly off season winners thus far. Yeah, definitely agree. They had two big issues, three really. I mean, experience was a big issue. They definitely changed out of Kellen Grady, a fifth year senior, Severe Wheeler, a junior, uh, Davion Mensa, six year senior, coming back for the free year of eligibility, C.J. Frederick, who's going to be a fourth year junior. So they have a lot of experience this year. And point guard play is a big issue last year. They had Davion Mintz as really the only point guard on the roster that can actually play. And now he's the third point guard on the roster behind Ty Ty Washington, Severe Wheeler. And they really struggled shooting the ball last year. And now they have C.J. Frederick, one of the best shooters in the country. They have Ty Ty Washington who can shoot the ball. Mintz can shoot the ball. 
Uh, Kellen Grady's a really good shooter. So they have shooters all around the floor. They have three really solid point guards. I think Kentucky is without question a top 10 team in the preseason. They're a real title contender next year. Absolutely. And uh, big offseason to lead them there. Um, who, who's now a loser, though, in place of them? Yeah, this is this is a I mean, it's tough to call this team a loser because like, I mean, they're just always bad. But like Boston College, I guess I'll call them a loser because they didn't really do anything. I mean, like they added a few pieces, but nothing great. Like they added Brevin Galloway, who came with Earl Grant. I think Earl Grant's a great hire over uh, after firing Jim Christian. But Brevin Galloway's a solid player. He's going to spend his final year of college at Boston College. Uh you know, but then you had TJ Bickerstaff from Drexel. He's a fine piece, I guess, off the bench. Quentin Post from Mississippi State. He's seven foot and can kind of shoot the ball. So he's going to be okay. Uh, DeMar Langford's going to be solid probably this season. But overall, you lose your best player with Jay Heath. Winston Tabbs got dismissed from the team for breaking COVID protocols last year. Uh, yeah, this is just not going to be a very good team next season. They're definitely going to be the worst team in the ACC. It's going to be a rough first year for Earl Grant, but hopefully he gets it going eventually at Boston College. Yeah. Um, I don't know why they would dismiss tabs from the team uh, for that, but, hey, they did. And, yeah, Boston College, I think, comfortably going to finish last in the ACC. Uh, there's just – there's nothing exciting here. Uh, Earl Grant, he's a he's a change. Uh, he can't be any worse, change. but at the same time, he doesn't have a roster that looks like a, like going into last year, I, I liked the Boston college roster and then obviously oh, I did too. Yeah, I did too. Trust me. I did. It fell apart. Uh, I mean, I don't know what happened. I mean, they almost beat Villanova. Yeah. They, they look good early in the year. And that, that was about the only time they looked good. Wait, was it Justin Moore thing where, like, uh, he took the charge on it? Was that against Boston College? No, I think that was Virginia Tech. Villanova played a close game with Villanova, though, right? Boston College and Nova, yeah. they played a close game. It was, it was like a Boston College led at the half, and then Villanova, like, took the lead and, like, won by, like, seven or se- one of those types. They won games. by nine. Nine. I don't remember that going that way. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I think Boston College was leading at the half, if I if memory serves. Uh, I'll fact check that. Yeah, they were tied at the half. Okay. That's winning at the half for Boston College. Yeah. They also lost to Fawn Mitchell. I don't know why I didn't mention that, but he's a really good glue guy. He's going pro, so they lose him too. They lose they lose their two best players, so that's tough. So I'm going to go with the Maryland Terrapins. Now, they obviously, I think, got a couple good commitments early in the season. Uh, I think that's Russell is very inefficient. I don't like him uh, necessarily, but he's a fine player. Uh, and then they get Kudis Wahab, who will play the five for them, take care of that. But they got two, I think, Daryl Morsell and Aaron Wiggins leaving that's a big loss, and Aaron Wiggins, I think, was you know a very good three and D uh, wing player, uh, was you know very good. And then Daryl Morsell, did he deserve Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year over Franz Wagner? I think not, but 
he won the award and was definitely Maryland's best player. So, I mean, him being out is uh, out to uh, Marquette. That's certainly not good either. Uh, so, I mean, you lose two really good pieces like that. Uh, they have enough talent that they're like going to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, but it's, I just don't like this team. Uh, there was top 25 hype going into the early off season. Uh, that's not there anymore. So I'm out on Maryland. Uh, they're, they're early fraud power ranking team. Yeah, I'm out on Maryland too. You lose Aaron Wiggins. Fats Russell shot 33% from the field last year, 23% from deep. That's not going to fly at the Big Ten level. Eric Ayala needs to run the point. I do like guys like Dante Scott and Hakeem Hart. Cutis uh, uh, Wahab down low is going to be really good. That was a piece they're missing last year. But now coming in from Georgetown, Wahab's going to play a big role. Maryland's a tournament team, not a top 25 team. Yeah, uh, I agree. So we have two left, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I'll let you start. We have one mid-major and one uh, for both categories, one mid-major, one high-major. So do you want to go yep. mid or high? I'll go mid. I'll say Murray State. I like what they did a lot this offseason. They lost Chico Carter to South Carolina. But in that trade, they received Troy Hannibal, who I think is a better player. Really good athlete, can defend, and I think he's going to shoot the ball really well this season. And when you look at that starting five, you have Trey Hannibal, Carter Collins coming in from Davidson, Kevin Brown, Elijah Farr, who is a Juco player, who can really shoot the ball from deep at six foot eight. He can defend, he moves well, and KJ Williams at the five. They had uh, Damari Burns from Southern. You had Jordan Skipper Brown from Eastern Illinois. That's a really good roster Matt McMahon has next season. I think that they're the team to beat in the Ohio Valley. I think they're going to be a really solid roster next year. They have an early season meeting with Memphis. That's going to be a fun game to watch. But Murray State is going to be a fun team next year. They could be back in the dance next year. Absolutely. Uh, my team, though, I'm going to go with is San Francisco. We've we've touched on Todd, Todd Golden. Golden. Being the you know the premier coach in the next Florida. Oregon State head coach, which isn't going to happen, but yeah, uh, probably not going to happen. But California is hiring. California is hiring. Maybe they will be hiring soon. So if we can get him to stay around long enough, he'll he'll be the California head coach and uh, bring bring them back to success. But I mean, getting Jamari Bouye to decide to come back for another year was certainly big. He could have gone play professionally. He said, nope, I'm coming back. They get Khalil Shabazz. That's a good backcourt. You get in Patrick Tape uh, Toupay, however it's pronounced. That's a good center. You've got Zane Meeks. You've got Isaiah Hawthorne. Uh, this is a good, good roster hanging in the next season. Uh, Gabriel, Gabriele Stefani. Uh, they get him in as well. So, I mean, this is a good roster hanging in next season. Uh, I certainly like the additions that they've made to kind of surround Bouye and Shabazz. Those will be the two best players on San Francisco going into next season. But certainly, I, I like this team. I think they're going to be a very good team. I wouldn't quite say they're an NCAA tournament team. I think the league, they're, they're still behind Gonzaga, BYU, uh, but, I mean, they they probably finished fourth in the league. Uh, and, you know, as mentioned, they're going to beat Gonzaga in the WCCMI finals and then uh, get the auto bid after beating BYU in the WCC title game. Uh, I think we've mentioned that on the podcast already. So uh, that's going to happen. 
Yeah, you you touched on it well. They get Boye, Boye back for the free year. You get Khalil Shabazz back. You had Zane Meeks. You had Patrick Cape. You had Gabe Stefanini, who hasn't played in two years, but he's a really skilled guard from Columbia. Uh, the, in the Ivy League, he was a very good player. He just hasn't played in a while. He had an injury in the Ivy League, canceled the last year. And then he was teammates with Patrick Tepe at Columbia before Tepe transferred to Duke last season. Uh, he barely played at Duke, and he really hasn't played in two years either because he barely played at Duke, and he was hurt two years ago. So there just wasn't – he hasn't played a lot recently either, but there's a lot of upside on this team. Todd Golden's one of the best analytical minds in college basketball. I think San Francisco is in for a really good season next year, top five in the WCC, NIT at the very least. All right. Uh, Let's go to mid-major loser. Yeah, I I hesitate to put them here, but they do lose one of the maybe probably the best mid-major player in the country and Jason Preston. He is going pro. So my team is Ohio. I think Mark Sears is going to be a potential breakout star in the conference. So maybe it ends up not mattering. They had Jason Carter from Xavier, who had 16 points per game a few years ago at Ohio uh, when he was there in 2018-29. No, that's not right. 2017-2018. But he was very good then. And then you had, yeah, it was 2017-2018, right? Am I, am I blanking here? I think so. Yeah, because uh, he was on he set. Because he sat out. Yeah, he, he sat out at Xavier's first year. Yeah. So it, he was like a freshman, sat out, uh, played two years, and now is No, back. it was 2018-2019. Wow. That's crazy. Time flies. So he, so he didn't sit out. I, I, thought he sat, I thought he sat out one year, but I guess he didn't. Uh, guess he got a waiver. So I get oh, because he redshirted one year already. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, mm-hmm. he had a medical redshirt in 2017, 2018. So I was completely wrong there. But Jason Carter's back. You get Ben Roderick back. You get London McDay back. Uh, so there's pieces on the team, but you lose Jason Preston. So that's why they're a loser. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's a big loss. Uh, I still think they have enough talent. Like if they won the MAC tournament. Uh, they could make the NCAA tournament, but they're also like, I was thinking like they could be like the Buffalo of 2019 where they're like a six seed and they, they run away with the league. They dominate everyone. They get an at large bid, uh, although Buffalo didn't need one. And, you know, yeah, they, they could still make the NCAA tournament. They could still be like a, I think they were a 12 seed. They could be like a 13 seed. Uh, that's, within the realm of possibility, but it's much less likely to happen. And uh, you take out that high upside potential that you have with Preston. Uh, it's, Ohio's a big loser this offseason uh, just because you, they had a chance at like a special, special season. They don't get that. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's that's just unfortunate. They're, they're definitely losers. Not huge losers, but still losers. Um I'm going to go with BCU as my last mid-major loser. Uh, obviously, like Bones Highland leaving, you you come to expect that because he he's a potential first-round pick. He's very good. He's You lose him, that's not surprising. But Ace Baldwin, uh, with the Achilles injury, that is devastating because like he's probably out next season. Uh, guaranteed. I don't think he'll play a game next season. And you know, with these Achilles injuries, that can like we we saw obviously Kevin Durant play just fine with uh, 
a year off an Achilles injury, but that's kind of like an outlier. Most of the time it doesn't happen like that. So, I mean, Ace Baldwin, we, we can only hope he, you know, he'll probably miss this upcoming season, but in two years he's, uh, as, as a redshirt sophomore, I guess, at that time, playing at a very high level. But there's no, no guarantee of that. Uh, they do get Marcus Sahonis. Uh, they have Keyshawn Curry. They've got Vince Williams, Jamar uh, Watkins, Hassan Ward. Like, they're not a bad team, but losing you know, your, your best player to the NBA and then losing another player who is supposed to return to an Achilles injury, that's that's that hurts. And VCU... Mm. I think now going into next season, I mean, I think they they still theoretically could make the NCAA tournament, but I mean, you look at the Atlantic Ten, like St. Bonaventure's better, um, you know, Richmond's better, Dayton I think is better, I think St. Louis is better, uh, the rest of the league's not great, so I mean, they they probably finish around fifth in the league, but uh, definitely I think with Baldwin back. I would probably put them either two or three with Richmond. Yeah, I think that they're a top five team in the conference, fourth or fifth probably. But you're right, losing your top scorer with Bones Highland and losing the future of your program with uh, with Ace Baldwin is tough to the Achilles injury. I think Sahonis was a big-time add because they added him with Baldwin in the mix, and now he becomes even more valuable next season. I think BC will be solid because Mike Rhodes is always going to be a winning coach, but they're not going to be great. So that's kind of what that comes down to. And I guess we're heading into our final winners here, right? Yeah, uh, let's let's do it. I'm going to go with Xavier. I like what the Musketeers have done a lot this offseason. They're a good team. Paul Scruggs, Nate Johnson, both returning for the extra year. You add uh, some you add some pieces from the portal with, like, with uh, Jack Nungy and Jerome Hunter, both guys that fill a role at the four spot that I think you know could be pretty valuable. Zach Freeman will back. You get Kiki Tandy back, who did enter the portal but decided to come back. Juan Odom back. This is a tournament team without question in my mind. This is a top 25 team in the preseason for me. Uh, Colby Jones could be a big-time breakout candidate, too. Uh, you know, Paul uh, – not Paul Strokes. Uh, Travis Steele, I think he's a better coach than people give him credit for. He just hasn't made the tournament yet. But they've been solid every single year of his tenure as Xavier. They've been on the bubble and it was kind of just a retooling after Trayvon Blewett and JP Makira left because they left the year Chris Mack left. I mean, they were seniors. Chris Mack left for Louisville after that year where they were the one seed and they lost to Florida state. He went to Louisville and it was kind of just a retooling job. It's not easy to, you know, win right away after losing your two best players. That's just not easy to do. And it was going to be a process. Najee Marshall is really good and Quentin Gooden, didn't quite live up to his potential, but now he has a really good team on his hands with Paul Scruggs being the guy. This is a real make or break year for Travis Steele. Absolutely. I think you mentioned it's a very much a make or break year. Uh, Xavier has, you know, on, on paper, like a top 25 level roster. I think I, I can get you there with you. I just don't trust Travis Steele and, you know, maybe that's not so much on him, uh, but I think Xavier, if, Travis Steele can get this team top 25. I think it, I'll regain trust because it's a, it, the talent is there for them to be a top 25 team. I love Dewan Owens. Uh, they've got Paul Scruggs. Uh, they've got Zach Freeman, who's very good. Uh, they have a lot of really good players, and uh, it's just about whether Xavier can 
you know, really take a step forward from what they were a season ago. Uh, with my last one, I'm going to go to the SEC. I'm going to go with Auburn. Uh, this is a Tigers team. They obviously bring in Jabari Smith, bring in Walker Kessler. Those are two uh, very big uh, type of additions. Uh, and then, you know, you, you add in, uh, they have Jalen Williams at the forward spot. They have Devin Cambridge. They've got Alan Flanagan. Uh, they, they've got uh, KD Johnson, Wendell Green coming in. That That's a really good team. And Auburn's a team going into next season should be an NCAA tournament team, should be a top 25 team. Uh, they're going to be very good. Yeah, you also had Zeb Jasper from the College of Charleston. I think he's going to be a really good piece. They have a lot of depth. I like Katie Johnson's shooting. I would suspect the starting five probably looks something like uh, Jasper, Green, Flanagan, uh, Jabari Smith, and Walker Kessler in the starting five, and that is a dynamite starting five. That's a you know second weekend type of starting five that I think they could definitely carry into the second weekend of the NCAA tournament next year, without question. Absolutely. Um, let's let's finish on some losers, though. Yeah, final loser. I know uh, UConn fans probably aren't going to like this, but it's UConn. I mean, they were bad without James Booknight last year, and he's not coming back this year. He's going to be a lottery pick. So you lose Booknight, that's a big-time loss because he was really good. Uh, he's gone. He's not coming back. RJ Cole is now going to have to play a big-time role. So, you know, can he be the guy that can lead them in scoring? He, he'll have to be, probably. But you add a few freshmen, Rasul Diggins and Jordan Hawkins. They're going to have to play big roles on the offensive end from the jump because there's just not a lot of scoring here. Jalen Gaffney's not a great scorer. Tyrese Martin's a good glue guy, but he's not a great scorer. Isaiah Whaley's one of the best defenders in the country, not a great scorer. Tyler Pauly can shoot the ball, but that's about it. A cook, a cook. Not a great scorer, but he's a really good defender, too. Andre Jackson, one of the best athletes, if not, you know, maybe the best athlete in the country. Uh, but he's not much on the offensive end yet either, but he's a really good defender. So what I'm getting at here is UConn's going to be great on the defensive end. There's so many questions on the offensive end, and they lose by far their best offensive player. They're definitely going to struggle on offense next season. They'll make the tournament probably, but I'm just not as high on them as other people are. Yeah, I, I won't even think they'll make the tournament. Uh I'll say that right now, but I mean, what what this team essentially is, they they have a lot of good pieces, but who's going to score on this team? Uh, exactly. Whether it's Tyrese Martin, whether it's Tyler Pauly, whether it's R.J. Cole, like who is it? I I don't really know. So I I can't trust this team going into next season to be an NCAA tournament team. I think they they'll be like kind of what they were last season when Book Knight was injured. They they can win a couple games. Uh, they're maybe going to go like, you know, win like 40% of their big East games. Uh, maybe they take a step up and, you know, the 500 big East team, maybe that's good enough to get them in. But I just don't see, I'm not a big fan of this UConn team hanging next season. I think they're uh, at least on the outside looking in on the NCAA tournament. I don't really get the love for this team. Uh, it's not like they're adding in like, some good player to replace Jim's book night. So they didn't yeah, add I, any transfers. They didn't yeah. just not add anybody. They just added no transfers. Yeah. They have, I guess maybe Rasul Diggins uh, becomes a you know great player. Jordan Hawkins or I, Tyrese Martin all of a sudden becomes like a big time score. Tyler Pauly or Isaiah Whaley. But yeah, I don't like the team. Yeah, I'm with you. Who's your final loser? Uh, final loser for me, I'm going to go with Iowa. 
Uh, you knew Luca Garza was gone. Uh, that that's big. But uh, Joe Wieskamp is gone. That's that's a major loss because of his like three and D ability. Because he was going to be the guy. I still I think they have enough talent that they're going to be competitive. I don't think they're a tournament team, but they're going to be competitive. Uh, they get Bohannon back. They have Connor McCaffrey. They got Tucson. Uh, they have Keegan Murray, who's going to probably take a big step forward. Uh, they add in Philip Rybreka. Uh, so, I mean, they, they have some talents on the roster. It's just you lose Wieskamp. You lose uh, C.J. Frederick as well to Kentucky, which uh, I think it was one thing that was expected, but still it, it hurts. So I'm just – I'm not sold on this Iowa team. I think they'll miss the NCAA tournament next season. Uh, and they'll eventually make it again, but not next season. Yeah, I'm with you. This is not a tournament team. I like Keegan Murray. Jordan Bohannon is an all-time great in the program. But if you told me that any team in the country lost a 25-point game scorer, 25-point uh, per game scorer, they lost their best shooter. Oh, and they lost their second best shooter, too. Uh, one transferred, one's going to the NBA. I would tell you that they're probably going to be in for a rough season. Yeah, and I, I think I was in for a rough season. So. Yep, without a doubt. Well, it it was good to do the winners, the losers. Um, yeah, we we've got another podcast in the books. We've got upcoming probably some decisions. Uh, we talked about Coburn, about get Kevin O'Banner in the new future. Uh, we'll we'll see about that. Jane Shackelford. Uh, there there's a lot coming up. So uh, you know, by the time we're talking next week, we could have decisions on all these guys, some of these guys. Uh, who knows? But uh, that that gives you something to look forward to in the college basketball world uh, as we, we really start to, you know, shortly have all the rosters pretty much set. Yeah, only four months away. I mean, less than that now. I mean, opening night is, what, November 9th this year? So, like, we're, we're getting close. Yeah. Can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, Tears will be streaming down my face on the night the, or on opening day of college basketball. Like, I will shed real tears. Okay, I'm not going to go that far. Uh, I, I'll just be excited. I'll be excited. What, you know, last season, I, I I honestly say I wasn't too excited to get, you know, as the season was coming closer, it was like, well, will we start? Will we have the COVID cancellations? What, what's this season going to look like? It was like. I didn't think the season was ever going to happen. Like, every, like weekly, yeah. I had a moment where I'm like, all right, does any of this matter? Like, I feel like the season's just going to get canceled. <laughs> yeah. We we don't have this the, that fear. We we had this season pulled off uh, pretty well. And then, you know, next season, we're kind of talking before the podcast what the exact policies on everything were going to be. But, uh, you know, it it's going to be, I think, uh, you know, pretty clean season, maybe – like a game gets rescheduled here or there, but I think those will be few and far between. Uh, so it's, uh, we're, we're glad to be here and it should be a very fun uh, college basketball season. Cause there, there's a ton of storylines like last season, there was like Gonzaga and Baylor and COVID canceling everything. That was, those were the only storylines. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden, like we, we, we have coach K retiring. We've got Gonzaga maybe going back to back. Uh, undefeated regular seasons. We've got 
the Blue Bloods are back. We've got all the all this. Purdue's good. Like Texas is back. Like there, there's so much to talk about. Uh, I'm just looking forward to this upcoming season. Yeah, I think college football. Uh, I think in like 30 something days till that starts. So like that's gonna be a good uh, indicator of what we're what we should expect from college basketball this season because that showed us last year. There's going to be some hardships with games being canceled all the time, and that's exactly what happened. So if college football is relatively normal, which it seems like it will be, I mean, almost every – I think every stadium in baseball is full capacity. Like, okay, yeah. I assume it's going to be the same for college sports. So, Yeah. Like at the start of the NBA playoffs, it was like, oh, look at this uh, transformatory, like, vaccinated versus unvaccinated section now it's like uh well yeah anyone can get into this sold out uh nba finals Uh, yeah Uh, but yeah it's it's gonna be fun uh can't wait for it to begin we've got probably sold out uh arenas all across the sport uh that can just have these like 500 fan games no we're, we're getting full capacity crowds uh we can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait for sure. Yeah. But that will wrap it up for this edition of the Making the Madness podcast. We'll back, be back next time uh, with probably some more transfer talk and uh, something else fun. Uh, we'll, we'll have something fun saved up the sleep. So thanks again for tuning in and make sure to subscribe. Uh, until next time.